morning, everyone. That was a lovely time of worship, and uh, we appreciate just the Lord's presence with us already, and pray that he'll continue to be with us as we study a story this morning that's found in the Old Testament. You might think there's no connection at all with what we did last week, but all the themes are the same. And at first when I realized that, I began to think, oh, it'll sound as if I'm repeating myself. And it might, because all the themes we had last week, the themes of pride and all the rest of it, come into today's story. And it's found in 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. I'll just read a few verses now, and then I'll show the rest of the verses on the screen as the story develops. It's 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 1. And it's the story of Naaman, the general of the Syrian army. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor because of, caused by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, Would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his lord, the king, thus and thus spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, ten changes of clothing, and he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Consider how he's seeking a quarrel with me. We'll end our reading there, and we will pick up the story on the PowerPoint as we go along. You've noticed the big roller coaster behind me. Um, to be quite honest, that is not something I would ever be seen on. Uh, the, 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 the ups and downs and twists and turns uh, would cause havoc. Uh, but uh, it's, um, there was a wee tiny one in Barry's. I managed it once. That was just enough of a thrill for me, I can tell you. But, but there's another sense in which I do love roller coaster stories. Don't you? Stories that uh, suddenly have a twist or a turn that you're not expecting. And this story that we read in the Bible is full of ups and downs and twists and turns. And we will try and tease some of them out as we look at it this morning. The story begins on a high, no doubt. A great commander uh, on speaking terms with the king of Syria 
and highly appreciated for what he has done in uh, bringing victory to Syria over the north of Israel. But at this height, this high start to the story, there's also a very powerful twist in it. He's getting credit for all that he's done, for being so great. He's getting credit for being this great man who's helped Syria to beat Israel. And all along, it wasn't him at all. Because it says clearly in the story that the Lord had given victory to Syria. Naaman was getting credit for something that the Lord had done. Because Israel was now worshipping Baal. And this is this time of Ahab and Jezebel. Ahab is now dead, but his son is on the throne and Jezebel is still alive. And they were worshipping Baal. And so the Lord had given victory to, uh, to Syria. So sometimes when you uh, think of the self-glory and the pride of Naaman, that he had done all these great things and all the extra money he was getting and, and, and everybody thought he was so wonderful, it was actually behind it all was the Lord. You see, this is what we call the providence of God. That God is in control. God was teaching Israel a lesson that Baal couldn't save them. They had turned away from the Lord and now the Lord had given the victory to Syria and Syria took all the credit and said, how wonderful we are. Look what we can do. We can beat Israel. But it was all in God's hands. You know, the idea of the of the providence of God is a, a great blessing to us as Christians because at times when nations rise up against nations and they think they are great and sometimes other people are in despair the truth of it is that our God is in control and that he knows what he's doing uh, you know how Jesus mentioned that little bird called a sparrow and he said, are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And yet, not one of them falls to the ground without your heavenly Father. That's the providence of God. God knows you today, and God knows me today, and there's nothing will happen to us outside of his control. Nothing ever takes him by surprise. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Let that little song get into your heart as you leave this morning. His eye is on the sparrow. We've got little sparrows in our backyard feeding on the feeders and Audrey leaves the mealworms every morning. And they love it. And they, they're so fragile. And yet our Heavenly Father is looking after them. And you can be sure he's looking after you and me too. His eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me. So, to get back to Naaman, he was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. There was that dark cloud in his life. Everything seemed to be going well, but... And you know, the, we live in a world where... That little word explains something to us about why things are like a roller coaster sometimes. 
because God made the world perfectly. He made a wonderful world. Everything in it was perfect. God saw that it was good. But, but, the human beings that he had made rebelled against him and sin entered the world and brought that dark cloud of sin. And you know, we will never have life without dark clouds until we meet the Lord and go to live with him forever. Then the dark clouds will be swept away. But until then, we live in a world that is not perfect. But he was a leper. Being a Christian doesn't mean that we can avoid those dark clouds. We have them like everybody else. And I'm sure there's even people listening to this voice who say, yes, everything's going well with me. But there's that worry, that thing that can trouble and you don't have control of. Something just, we all from time to time go through those dark clouds. But... But uh, that story, that, uh, that passage that, uh, that uh, we were listening to during the worship time makes a difference for a Christian. It's not that we don't go through the dark clouds, but as Jeff read, there's nothing, no dark cloud will ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And as the psalmist put it, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So for the Christian, it's not that we don't have the dark clouds. It's as we go through them, we don't lose hope because we know that God is in control. But he was a leper. But things go wrong. But God is in control. Now then, let's get a little bit more of the story. Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl or if, I'd like you just to remember uh, this little girl reference. In, in Hebrew, the way Hebrew works, you call it a girl, a comma, a little one. I want to come back to that later in the story. But right now, just remember that. She was a girl, and then it's emphasized, a little one. And she had been captured. You could imagine her being taken away from her mum and dad and family. You can imagine her being very resentful. But instead... She said to her mistress, Would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. No buts or doubts about it. If he was with the prophet, the prophet of God, he would get better. She obviously felt sympathy for her boss. She saw the distress in the home. She saw the uncertain future of leprosy, how that this uncleanness could eventually separate this man from his family if it got worse and worse and worse. And there was every sign that that was happening. And instead of feeling resentful, you took me away from my daddy and mommy, this little girl gives them the answer in faith and says, if he was in Israel, he could get cured. This little girl, this girl, this little one, she is the lowest ranked person in the story. Everybody else is a higher rank than she is. She's the lowest person as far as rank is concerned in the story. And yet, she is the story. 
because nothing could have happened without her. Everything else depended on this little girl. Do you remember we were saying last week that sometimes we can feel, well, my part's not very important. The most important, the the least important person in terms of, of rank was this girl, this little one. But the most important person in the story was the one who was lowest. And God loves to do that. He loves to use the weak things of the world and the foolish things and and the things that are not to bring to naught the things that are. He loves to use us when we're humble. When we feel weakest, he is strong and we can trust him. So this girl, this little one, tells her story and then they mess it all up because they bring a letter to the king of Israel which read, when this letter reaches you, I've sent you Naaman to cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel hears about it, he tore his clothes. He worshipped a god called Baal. He, had tur- he and his whole family had turned away from the Lord. His religion was bankrupt. His god could do nothing. And the king himself, you know, In all the literature of the ancient world, outside the Bible, all the literature in the ancient world always exalts kingship. The kings are often considered gods. In fact, one of the old mythical stories on which the the country of Babylon, the, the, the Babylonians, base their history on the idea that one of the greatest kings in the beginning of the world was their king, and he lived for 48,000 years. They exalted, the whole literature of the ancient East exalted kingship. Pharaoh was a god. Many others were godlike. And the Bible shows, the Bible kind of brings it down to earth and says the real king, the real, there is one real king who reigns over all and all the others will only be successful when they put their faith in him. True success, David, Solomon, all the rest of it, great kings, but it was because they knew the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. As we were singing in the the earlier service, nations rise and fall, but there's still one King reigning over all. And that's what we're so glad about today. It's nice, you know, there's celebrations about a new King and at the same time commiserations. But let's not forget there's one King who reigns over all. And he'll never die. And someday we will be with him forever. So, an impossible request. This bankrupt, this king-worshipping Baal, this bankrupt religion, all he can do is tear his clothes. What good's that going to do? Well, none at all, except Elisha hears about it. And Elisha, the prophet, says, send that man to me. Absolute confidence in God. Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes. He sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me, that he may know there is a prophet in Israel. Notice he's called a man of God. That's where his faith is. So Naaman comes with all his horses and chariots and is sent to Elisha. And he hopes to be able to buy his healing. He brings with him several hundred kilos of silver, maybe 
50, 60 kilos of gold. He's, this, is quite a, this is quite a procession with his chariots and, of course, all that gold. There will be soldiers to protect him. I don't know how many camels and things they would have had, but this was not just a man on his own little donkey. This was a whole, this was a whole army coming uh, along here. This was an important man. And at least he expected a red carpet, you know. He thought he was something. And in his pride, he got the shock of his life. There was no red carpet. In fact, the prophet didn't even bother to come out. <laughs> you see, uh, God hates pride, and this man had to be brought down from his pride before God could help him. People who think that they can make their own way to heaven, that, that, is a, that hinders them from being saved. You can't buy your way to heaven. You can't build your way like the Tower of Babel. I love that old story, the Tower of Babel. You know there's a bit of humor in there. You know where they were trying to reach the tower to? Heaven. You know what God says in heaven? What's that they're doing down there? Let's go down. You know, the Tower of Babel that was supposed to reach heaven, you couldn't see it from heaven, not even with binoculars. Because you can't build your way to God, you can't pay your way to God, you can't get your, yourself there. God must come down to where we are so that he can bring us up to where he is. And, and that's a great theme that runs through the Bible. God is the God who comes down. He comes down to Castle Ray today. He comes down to my life. He comes down to your life. We can't raise ourselves up to him. And he comes down to the cross of Calvary for you and for me. Hallelujah. What a saviour. So Naaman, with all his entourage, gets a shock of his life. He's told to go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored. But he had his own mind made up about what would happen. He says, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leprosy. You see, there is a way, the Bible says, that seems right to a man. If we try to manufacture what we think God should do, God moves in a mysterious way sometimes. And sometimes he doesn't do things the way we expect, quite differently. And that can take us by surprise and can damage, you know, can can make us fearful and, and wonder, does God know what he's doing? But he doesn't always do things the way that we expect. And things don't always work out our way. But it doesn't mean that God's not in control. It just means that he doesn't do things the way we think he should. This man complained that he was to go to the River Jordan. He says there's a much better river in Damascus and it's, those rivers are still there today. Big fresh, clean water, river flowing down. He says, why can't I wash there? Because in the north of Israel where he was, uh, the Jordan had, um, you know, some very muddy parts. And he thought, why do I need to go in there? That would give you leprosy instead of getting rid of it. Uh, I, there's, a, there's, a better, there's a better river at home. Why can't I do it? My, why can't I go there? And, and he, he, he made up all these excuses. I want to, I will not do this. So, he turned and went away in a rage 
And you can see how the story takes twists and turns all over the place. It's just like that roller coaster. He went away in a rage, but his servants came near to him. He was obviously deep down a quite a nice man that people liked. The little girl seemed to like him enough to uh, want him to be cured. His own servants liked him enough. Everybody seemed to share in the grief of this man and the terrible situation he was in. And you know, isn't it strange that today we would simp- they would sympathize with somebody like that, but very often people don't care that millions and millions of people are without God and they will be lost for all eternity. So all they worry was about his leprosy. But God had more than that in mind. So eventually he's told, look, if he'd asked you for all your money, you would have given it to him. If he'd asked you to climb, you know, to do some marvelous thing, you would have done it. He says, wash and be clean. Why don't you try it? And what he was being asked to do was to show faith. Faith is just believing what God says he will do. Faith is just putting your hope in his promises that what he says will happen. So he went down. Here's the pride bit. The, pri- the, the, the pride man had to be humbled. And you know, if you're reading this story in Hebrew, you'll realize just how far down he did go. Because the Jordan River is a very special river. It is like no other river in the world. Because its name means to go down. Yarad, Yardin, going down from Dan. And it goes down further than any other river in the world. It goes down, 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 down to the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea is the lowest place that you can walk on earth. So, it's, so literally in the story, when you're reading it in Hebrew, it says, he went down into the going down. So it was down, down, down from his horse, from his pride, and all the rest of it, right down into the river. He went down into going down, and he, uh, he dipped, and when he went down and dipped himself seven times, I can imagine him doing it once and having a wee look. I knew it, this wasn't going to work. There's not a single spot moved from his leprosy. Twice. It's not going to work, is it? Three times. Six times. No difference whatever. And then seven times he came up and wow. It says his flesh came again like the flesh of a little child. Or in Hebrew, a child, a little one. It's Na'ar Katan. Na'ar, a child. Katan, a little one. Do you remember that story? Here's another twist and turn. He became like her. It's the same word as used quite deliberately here to remind you the little girl is not important. To, to, to get rid of his leprosy and to meet God, he had to become humble like a little child. And that's all we are. Just... Those who, as Jesus said, let the the little children come unto me, for such is the kingdom of God. And notice the difference that it made. He had not just got rid of his leprosy, but he returns to the man of God, and he said, Behold, now I know 
There is no God in all the earth but in Israel. What a difference that it had made to him. Once he had said, I thought he would do this and that, but now he says, I know that there's... And that's the great thing about being a Christian, that we know whom we have believed. He had said, his God, I thought becomes I know. He had once said, his God, I thought Elisha would, I thought the prophet would call on his God. Now he refers to God as my God. And what a change faith has made. Many people say, and I remember my grandmother when she wasn't very well saying, James, my problem is I have so little faith. But this man wasn't exactly an example of great faith. Like he had to to have his arm twisted. He, he, He didn't have great faith. He had little faith. But he put it in the right person. As old Spurgeon put it, it is not the strength of your faith that counts, but the strength of him in whom you put your faith. If you're trying to cross the river and you've got two planks, one's broken and the other's strong, It would be better to put a little faith in the strong plank than all your faith in the weak one. So he says to Elisha the prophet, "Uh, right, here's all this money, I want to give it to you. And Elisha is quite clear that this man must know that you can't buy God's favor. And so he won't take, I'm sure he could have used it. (laughs) I'm sure he could. He took gifts on other occasions. It was quite all right to give a prophet a gift and it was quite all right for a prophet to accept it. But this man had to learn that he couldn't pay his way into God's favor. It was free. Salvation is free of charge. And so he says, well, when I go back home, I want to take two donkey loads of earth. He wanted to make an altar to God from the soil of Israel. He wanted a little bit of Israel to take home with him. And Elisha didn't complain. He said, Go in peace. So he came with leprosy and he went home clean with the peace of God. Go in peace is shalom. Shalom is used today in Israel the same way as we would say hello or how's about you. You simply say shalom. But shalom is a word that has a deeper meaning. It doesn't just mean peace. It means wholeness, completeness, fullness. Uh, you pay in shalom, you pay fully. Uh, it's the idea of, of the total contentment that God can give. As Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, nor let them be afraid. The great thing he went home with was peace. Jesus said, not as the world gives, because how does the world give peace? Well, a bit like this. Those are the peacekeepers. (laughs) Jesus isn't talking about that sort of peace. Peace that's earned by tanks and bullets. He gives the peace that he earned by accepting the cross of Calvary for you and for me. The peace of God is what we go out with this morning. And, you know, the roller coaster of the story continues because... Elisha's servant had been listening to it all. And he listened to this man with all his wealth and all the rest of it. And he can't believe his ears. 
that Elisha won't take anything. And so Gehazi, the servant, goes and says to Naaman, you know, my master says visitors have come. Visitors have, have come he wasn't expecting and could he have just a little money? And Gehazi ends up getting the leprosy that Naaman had because he couldn't simply see what God was doing and he, his greed got the better of him. So what a roller coaster. But life is like that. Life can be like a roller coaster with its ups and downs. But the lessons that we learn from the story of Naaman is that in spite of all the ups and downs, there's a God who's in control. When we put our simple faith like a little child, put our hand into the hand of God, the peace of God, that total contentment, there's nothing more valuable than that. People in the world are always looking for more. And the more they get, the more they want. And, they, they, and it's insatiable. But when you know God, and the peace of God gives you that contentment and knowing Him, that's a blessing indeed. Just being content where we are today. And although there's a roller coaster going on in your life, ups and downs and twists and turns, there's one who knows it all. He accepted the ups and downs and twists and turns in his own life for you and for me. And he says today, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Go in peace, Elisha said, because of what Jesus has done. We can all this morning hour leave here with the peace of God in our hearts. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Castlereagh Fellowship podcast. For more podcasts, Bible teaching videos, and to see what's going on at the church, please visit our website, castlereaghfellowship.com. God bless.